makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power and power. Greetings and good day and welcome my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart and it's a good day for all of us to be here. And this is First Voices Radio. I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island where the sun and the water touched the earth at once. And I am Teokasen Ghost Horse from the Cheyenne River Lakota Reservation out in South Dakota and here in the Catskill Mountains. And this is an all-native hosted, all-native produced First Voices Radio. Now it's 29th year of broadcasting in Liz Hill, a Red Lake, Ojibwa, is the producer of First Voices Radio. And you can hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and download us. Buzzsprouts, download us, Spotify, listen to us and download us, all, all that, as well as First Voices IndigenousRadio.org for archives. You can also look to going to the new website for Teoksen Ghost Horse, your host, AkantuInstitute.org, A-K-N-T-U, Institute.org. Look to that and you'll see the works in progress, but it's, it's going to be more full, more like a blooming web page every week, you'll see it. Now that we've taken care of that little business, I'd like to say that this past year, we've missed a voice. And that voice often came in in very crucial times, very times where we needed to start truth, a different point of view, a different place where a person's heart was with the earth, was with the humans that didn't get the noise, that didn't get the uh, the attention. And this person that we will talk about and dedicate this next song to, Warrior, 
by Xavier Rudd and the United Nations is just for a few minutes today, we want to remember a special friend of First Voices Radio who is no longer with us. And uh, his name is Andrew Volchek, Andre Volchek. Andre was a brilliant Russian-born author, a documentary filmmaker, a philosopher, an artist, an anti-imperialist investigative journalist. All those ists, right? They're on lists. He championed the oppressed, depressed, dispossessed, and disenfranchised people of the world, which included indigenous peoples, and all those peoples whose voices have been ignored. Andre was on our side, and in this is one reason I wanted to bring his voice on the show the last few years that he was able to be on the show. He was an anti-imperialist. Look up the word imperialist and anti-Western and see the beginning of how the West defines its West itself as the West and all-encompassing that we should really run roughshod over the real Western people, the Native people, the Indigenous peoples in the Western Hemisphere. And his hundreds of essays, many books, films, and media appearances were largely shunned by the Western media, even by some outlets that are considered progressive. They don't like communists like me, Andre would say, and he laughed about it. And uh, First Voices Radio welcomed Andre with open arms and open heart, open ears, and gave him time to bring the messages that were so much bigger than him. And we are grateful for his knowledge, insight, and support of indigenous peoples. And we are grateful for his immense humanity. Andre passed last year, this time, September 22nd, 2020, on his way to Istanbul, Turkey, with his wife, Rossi, at his side. Istanbul is a place he loved, and he's buried there. He was just 56, but what he left behind is monumental. Today, Rossi and those who loved him are keeping Andre's legacy alive. His social media continues to flourish with thousands of followers. His writings are timeless, and it's amazing to read them and see how relevant they still are. New books continue to be published from his publishing house in Jakarta, Indonesia. His documentary films that examine some of the most shocking atrocities committed by the West will go down in history as some of the best ever produced. So Andre is still with us wherever he may be. And this song, Warrior, by Xavier Rudd and the United Nations was played last year when we told you that Andre was gone. So I'll play it again in his honor here on First Voices Radio so that his message and his persona is not forgotten. was a warrior in every way And he was always listening A dedication to people's displaced And he was always listening If a little birdie flew into his space He was always listening And with the spirit of the ancient ways He was always receiving 
said, come with me people, stand up with me people, as one and as equals, let's honor all people. Come with me people, stand up with me people, as one and as equals, let's honor all people, all people. Honor all people. in every way and she was always listening dedication to people's displaced and she was always listening and if a lion moved through her space she was always listening and with the spirit of the ancient ways she was always receiving Come with me people, stand up with me people, as one and as equals, let's honor all people. Come with me people, stand up with me people, as one and as equals, let's honor all people. Come with me people, stand up with me people, as one and as equals, let's honor all people. Come with me people, stand up with me people. One and as equals, let's honor our people, our people. Said honor our people. Said honor our people. Said honor our people. She could take him by the hand, and together they could change the world and abolish. From every man and spread their medicine throughout the world, and every sun would rise and fall and restore complete balance on the earth. The brand new chance for one and all. How do you feel what I'm saying?
that was Warrior by Xavier Rudd and the United Nations. She is a great-grandmother, scientist, and writer. Her name is Charmaine Whiteface, an Ogallala Tituan Ocheti Shakoi member. And for those of you who want to listen and actually contact Charmaine Whiteface, it's, uh, it's a cwhiteface at gmail.com. And let her know you listen to what she will be about to say here on First Voices. She's known for her work in, in support of Native American rights, in particular as a coordinator of the Defenders of the Black Hills, which I had the pleasure of working with quite a few years, and a volunteer of environmental organizations centered on efforts to encourage the United States government to honor the treaty, one of many hundreds of treaties, this one called the Fort Laramie Treaties, 1851 and 1868. She also worked on, at the international level in support of recognition of human rights of indigenous peoples all over the world. She is the spokesperson for the Sioux Nation Treaty Council established in 1894. And she was a participant in the prayer fast hunger strike held in December 2004 in Geneva, Switzerland at the final meeting of the Intercessional Working Group on the draft of Declaration on Rights of Indigenous Peoples. She had worked to preserve Bear Butte on monitoring an abandoned uranium mine, on environmental remediation of hazardous waste ponds, and an anti-nuclear power movement. In 2013, she raised concerns about the radiation exposure of people who live in South Dakota, especially on national grasslands and parks and even the National Guard soldiers. Charmaine Whiteface is also a columnist and a freelance writer, was written for Indian Country Today, the Rapid City Journal, Sioux Falls Argus Leader, and Lakota Journal, and is a grandmother, as I said. We talked to her yesterday about an article, Kimimila Ui, the Butterfly Sun. And again, you can Google her name to find more of her writings, Charmaine Whiteface. So this is the interview, and we talk about prophecy. We talk about not just the warnings or gloom and doom time, but we actually talk about what you can do. We like story as Native peoples, and we're going to pass that on. And we're going to continue to keep the quantum physics within our stories, within our language, that we really can't translate into English, because English doesn't have room for our language. So I'll say it that way, and uh, we'll begin this, talking about the butterfly sun with Charmaine Whiteface. I'd like to welcome her voice to First Voices Radio. Welcome to First Voices Radio, and the world knows this day as uh, solstice, or the autumn solstice, or the equinox, yet Native people recognize it, acknowledge it in a different sense. We are all not standardized to one way of celebrating, acknowledging, or just even giving the day presence within our lives, but there's different ways to to do that, actually, as I described, to understand what we're going through. The people, our relatives in the South, in what is now called South America, are recognize it as a sacred day differently than we do, but it seems to be um, not heard of so much as it needs to be. So I wanted to ask you about your article, The Butterfly Sun, and in that way, as you as an elder understand it, what is the difference between how we understand it as Ocheti Shakomi, as the non-natives who have come here impose their way of how even looking at the, the movements of the stars has become 
more or less a colonial way of seeing how we operate or how we human beings, living beings, should be living other than the Western way of, of thinking. So welcome to First Voices Radio, Charmaine. Thank you. Thank you for that. The, the equinoxes, the fall and the spring, plus the solstices, the winter and the summer, all are sacred days in our Pachati Shakoi understanding, understanding of the earth and understanding of the universe and of everything. They are sacred days and they mark a special time. And as sacred days, these are always times when, when we would pray. We would pray. I mean, you know, like, uh, the Washichus have holy days and some of them are for a person or a, you know, or a saint or whatever. But these are actual physical, physical days. I mean, you know, I'm a scientist and so I understand the, the orbit of the earth around the sun and, and during this equal time, equinox, equal, not equal time, a balancing time. And that's what it is. It's a balance between the winter solstice and the summer solstice. And it's the beginning of fall. And our people recognize this always. Uh, this is also the harvest time. And so during this time, we would pray. We, we, we always say thank you. I was told by an older woman when I was way younger that there are only two things we ever prayed for. One was thank you. And the other was for good health for all the people. That's all. So simple. And, and this time right now, and especially I wrote this, I wrote this editorial because the world is in such crisis and chaos and confusion. And this time, today, tomorrow, September 21st, September 22nd, the time of the butterfly sun, the equal time, you know, the equal time, that it's a time to pray and ask for balance. We need more balance in the world on every level, not just health-wise, but on every level. And that means for those of us who are oppressed, we pray for balance in all of our lives and hopefully that oppression will ease up and so we would have more balance, more justice, you know, that we need. But it's also for a balance of health the health situation, you know, this past year and a half, almost two years with the pandemic, this health situation has caused many, many people to become out of balance. You know, they don't, because they can't go to work, they don't know what to do. Well, you need to get back in balance. Your home life and your work life should also always be in balance. There's many things that everybody can look at during this time during this holy day, this holy time, the 21st, the 22nd. I think the, the description of the butterfly sun is so wonderful. That's when the sun, and especially for our brothers and sisters in the south who live near the equator, that's why they call it the butterfly sun, because the sun then represents a butterfly's body lying along the equator, and the butterfly's wings cover the whole north and south poles, our south hemispheres of Mother Earth, and it's a balanced time. And so it's not just us here in the Western Hemisphere. It's all over, indigenous people all over 
recognize this time as a time to ask the Creator to help us, keep us in balance in whatever we do in our lives. It's not just indigenous. Everybody can pray this way. I have friends in England, non-Indian friends, white people who are going to be praying, who are starting to pray at this time. I mean, you know, because they are, what, six hours ahead of us, eight hours ahead of us, and at the daybreak they will be praying also for more balance on Mother Earth. Charmaine Whiteface, you describe not just the Native people or human beings in general that are looking for balance, but it's the action, from what I'm reading here, it's the action and emotion of all other life as the geese and the ducks and birds are beginning to fly south. And their actions mm-hmm. are, are implying a balance. Um, even the colors, as you say, are preparing for sleep. Would you go mm-hmm. on with that? And, you know, the buffalo berries and... They, they, they understand what we are, we are looking for, but they're in the balance already. And I would say that from my thoughts that these beings are already in the balance and they're continuing the, those instructions. And yet we have to force ourselves to remember this day in a sense. And I want to talk to about that denial of it. But yes, let's, let's start with the other beings already understanding this balance. This time, I mean, and for where I live, you know, in the middle, (laughs) I would say in the middle, going towards the Arctic and then the equator. So I'm almost like halfway in the middle where I live in South Dakota. Already, the migration of the birds has started. Already. I have a little bird feeder in my yard and I always feed the birds all year long, but it is just being loaded and loaded with birds. And during this time, this year especially, We've had such a drought, such a drought in up here where I am in the northern Great Plains and all along the west coast and further south too, we've had such a drought that what I'm noticing is that the animals getting ready for winter, and that's this time from now until December 21st, the birds are moving south, the butterflies are moving south, the squirrels, the squirrels come to my feeder, but they have they are really, really planning further ahead because the drought has caused the lack of food for them so much. The squirrels have eaten down all my sunflowers. (laughs) They didn't even wait for them to get to get uh, dry. They started coming in. First they take the flower, then they take the leaves, then they take the stems. But the squirrels are doing this. And the birds, um, they didn't wait for my choke cherries to ripen. Even when they were green, they started eating them. When they were still red, before they turned ripe to that orangish color they have, the birds, were they ate them all up because the poor animals, this whole drought has really harmed a lot of the animals. And during this time is when when we notice that it's, uh, they are the indicators of what's coming. And we're supposed to have a really cold, hard winter Now, for us, a cold, hard winter doesn't necessarily mean a lot of snow, but it means a long time of much cold. And with this drought, the animals are are really suffering. And so, you know, that's another thing I've noticed. I've noticed that a lot. I was always warned, especially when September started, ever since I was a little kid, I was warned, be careful when you go outside. 
because the rattlesnakes are blind. Where I, this area where I live in September, the rattlesnakes go blind as they start shedding their skin. They shed their skin and they shed that protective coating. Even their eyelid, you know, comes off and then they are blind. And during this, and they will strike at anything. And so I happen to live in town and so I don't have to worry about that too much. But I also wanted to remind people, this is a time of change for all the animals, including the reptiles. A lot of the berries in August become ripe. That's usually when the chokecherries turn black. For us, the chokecherries turn black in August. And then that's when you can pick them. But the buffalo berries, they have to wait for the first frost. When the first frost comes, then they get sweet. That's when you can pick buffalo berries. And buffalo berry bushes have thorns on them, really hard, a lot of thorns. So you lay a blanket or a sheet underneath there and you wait. When the first frost comes, you lay that down there, take a long stick and start pounding that bush. And then all those berries can fall down. But they're not ripe until after the first frost. My squash plants with the leaves are starting to turn yellow. I just noticed this morning some trees across the street from where I live. There's a whole bunch of trees and they're all starting to turn yellow. We have been in such a drought. I, I'm real worried and really concerned about the grasses and the grasslands and the wildfires. During this time also, we get a lot of prairie fires. If nobody has ever seen a prairie fire, they go really fast and they destroy everything in their path. There is a big concern here. We have had red days where, you know, the prairie fires can come through, but the animals are showing us now. Now is the time. And to, to this, and if you watch the sun, that's the other part is that people don't watch the sun anymore. You watch where the sun is at. Today, I mean, yes, no, tomorrow morning and tomorrow night, it's going to be at the same time that the sun rises and the sun sets. One will be a.m. in the morning, the other will be p.m. It's that equal day, equinox, equal day. I was thinking about that. It's the Lakota people that aren't the only ones who are concerned. And you talk about the United Nations 72 years ago when other nations came to New York to warn the people 72 years ago about what about what's going on now because of the way we lived and still are still living could you talk about that a little bit? All of us, all of the, all of the indigenous nations, first nations, we all have prophecies about this time we are in now. And we have more prophecies about what is coming. And I am, I happen to be an old traditional, what they call an old traditional, even though I know the Washington way. I'm a scientist, educated as a scientist. The old traditional way has always given me more answers and more insights. And so um, years ago when I was still a young woman, I think I was only about 40 then. And to me, being 40 is young, because now I'm 74, almost 75. But being 40 was young then. And uh, we were happened to call, be called all over, from all over the country, all four corners and in the middle. We were all called to New York City to attend a, a conference that the um, New York City Indian Community House was putting on. 
And so uh, they had raised enough money to to pay for us to come there and then to talk a bit about about this use of technology and and what this meant for all of us. And I was so privileged and blessed to be able to meet Thomas Benyaka. Now Thomas Benyaka was a Hopi from the Hopi people south of where I live, about a thousand miles south from where I live. And I was so blessed to meet him. And I was blessed to be able to the next day. I met him the evening before and he, he talked to us. And then the next day I was honored to be able to hear him tell about the Hopi prophecy. And I also learned about, he told, he told us then that about going to the house of Micah. They called it the house of Micah or the United Nations. The house of Micah, if you know, if you go down in the Southwest where they build uh, their houses different than how we build our houses, we have teepees, you know, up here, but they have different kind of houses with windows and they made their windows out of Micah. If you don't know what Micah is, look it up. It's, it's a quartz, but, uh, you have to look it up and you'll see how the Micah is in sheet. It's sheet of quartz. And, and that's what they made their windows out of. And so the United Nations has many, many windows. And so that's why they always called it the house of Micah. Um, I, you probably could go online and probably find the prophecy, the whole the prophecy, the whole thing that he told and he told us. And it was that if, see, this is 72 years ago when he did this. So he was already an elder when I was 40 years old. And I was only two years old when he did this in 1949. They, the Hopi nation sent out four messengers, sent them all over the world to give this prophecy to the whole world. And he was the one that came to the United Nations. And he told the United Nations, they allowed him to speak. And he told them all, you have to get away from this technology. You have to get away from nuclear especially. But get away from this. Because if you don't, then you are going to destroy the whole world. He said, if you don't, and, and they have it on a, what we would call a winter count, but what they, what, like a, a picture. A pictograph. That's what they have it on is a pictograph and it shows, shows the whole prophecy of how, what happened before and how, what's going to come now. And that's where we are at now. And, and for me, it's been, um, um, I mean, we have our own, we have our own prophecies and I have been privileged and blessed to know many of them. Um, but what has hurt me so much is the abuse of Mother Earth. She is a spirit. She's, I'm a spirit inside this body. You, Teokhtun, are a spirit inside your body. And there, the spirit is in many, many things. But according to the white people, they don't understand this. They do not know this. And that's one of their their weaknesses, their biggest weakness is their lack of spirituality or their lack of understanding because religion is different than spirituality. We had spirituality. 
We didn't have religions. <laughs> we had spirituality. And we understood that Mother Earth was a living being. She had a spirit. And this abuse of Mother Earth has, it's just been too much, too much. And it has hurt her so badly. That's what's happening. She wants to go home. And when we say she wants to go home, it means the spirit inside of her, her physical, her physicalness, her physicalness, her spirit wants to go back to, to the other spirit. The sun is a spirit. That's another thing. So during this time when the sun is here in equal, equal covering her, equal time of the sun covering her, this is when we need to pray so hard for balance and equalness all over the world. So these earthquakes and volcanoes and drought, all of this is, we had it in our, our prophecy. I met other people from South America when I would go to the UN. It's in their prophecies too, this time that we're in now, where Mother Earth is shaking herself because she has been in so much pain. The abuse of her has been too much. And and the other part is about her water. The water is her blood. What happens when a human being gets blood poisoned? And the water, think of the oceans and the pollution in the water. Think of the pollution of all the rivers and the creeks and everything. Caused by mining, caused by farming, caused by many things that are that uh, Fukushima, how much pollution went into the Pacific Ocean. That's her blood. If you get blood poisoning, your body will react so that you die. When you get blood poisoning, you get fevers. Is that what a volcano is? Is that what these heat, heat, heat domes are, you know? So we need to pray really hard. And it seems that that is not just the antidote, but you talk about the balance earlier and how we're look at our knowledge as the balance, as the medicine to what we do as at least Lakota in this, in this sense. But also, you know, when I think about what are we actually doing, there are things we don't hear out here in this so-called bigger world, the outer world called America, but on tiny reservations with the little people like the Lakota people and other peoples. And I can say, because we don't get much press as native peoples, but the earth is noticing, the earth notices what we tiny peoples are doing because that means so much more to the earth. And I think even that would make a difference, but there there are ceremonies happening on a reservation. And you wrote about one called Wiping of the Tears Ceremony that is actually happening now um, through several Lakota reservations, if not, maybe other places recognize the same type of energy you're describing in your article. Could you talk about about that? And just one sort of note, you recognize Perth as a mother, a makaina, something alive, and yet why would we live on a dead planet? Why are the latest technologies and trying to live on a dead planet called Mars. We're not from there, yet we want to 
go there and make it come alive when we're actually killing the one that our bodies come from. That was my thought. But first of all, you know, the wiping of the tears ceremony that's going on now in, in the area of where you live in, in South Dakota. Um, the wiping of the tears ceremony is um, it's happening right now exactly as we speak. And this is up at Standing Rock, Standing Rock Reservation. There are nine reservations just in South Dakota. And Standing Rock happens to be the one farthest north. And it's half in South Dakota. And a part of it is in North Dakota. Anyway, uh, Standing Rock was hit very hard with the COVID, COVID pandemic. I've had four relatives from Standing Rock pass away last year from the COVID. And before that, oh, I don't know how many years, 10 years maybe, there was a, a whole rash of suicides on Standing Rock Reservation. And then the alcohol and meth, especially right now, meth addiction, the drug abuse and the drug of choice right now happens to be meth. And see where we live, it can either come up from the south or come down from Canada from the north. And so Standing Rock has a, has experienced a lot of death. And, um, like I said, myself, four of my relatives, this, this is last year passed away in Standing Rock from the COVID. So the wiping of the tears, it's a ceremony to help people get over their grief. It's, it's uh, usually held a year after someone passes away, but it could be held even before then. And when I was told about these things that were happening, because I'm an elder now, then I was also asked my opinion, you know, should we do this now? Even though for many of the deaths, it's not a year. And I said, yes, yes. We need to keep on because more is coming. More hard things are coming. And how can we be strong enough to handle everything else that is coming? When I was a little girl, a real little girl, my grandma, my grandma was born in 1894. And so it was still for us here where I live, it was still real close to the first time of meeting white people or being influenced by white people and the white culture. So she knew really a lot, even though eventually she was sent to one of the residential schools. She was, she already had learned so much at a younger age and she passed whatever she could. And after she left the residential school, her mother and her father were still alive and her mother could still teach her more and more. And so then she taught me as best she could. She always told me, ever since I was a little girl, always be ready to go. What does that mean? Always be ready to go where? Always be ready to go home. You don't know when they're going to come after you. Always be ready. And that means having your spirit ready. Always have your spirit ready to go. I mean, we might get off of this conversation and I walk outside and get hit by a car. Or we might get off and I might have a heart attack. You know, we don't know. Or you too. You know, we don't know when that time is, when we go home, when they come after us and we go home. And so 
She all, she taught me that from the time I was real little, little tiny girl. Always be ready to go home. So, okay, that means always having your spirituality ready. I've talked to this, I, I've given the same kind of conversation with college students and others for, for a number of years now because trying to prepare people for this hard time we are in now. And I tell them, make good friends with an angel. Or if you have an ancestor or a grandparent or even your mom or dad who already went to the other side, make good friends with them. And if you think that you hear them inside of your mind, answer them. A lot of things people don't know about indigenous is that we have telepathy, mental telepathy. Kyokusen, if you and I practiced it, we could have mental telepathy. I've had that with many relatives, mental telepathy. Well, you think, and I taught my kids, I said, you think that your thoughts stop at your forehead or inside your skull? No, they don't. They go out. And so one of the things we were always taught was to always have a good thought. And that's what, you know. But thoughts can also come back in, both from the good and from the bad. And so that's why I tell young people, make good friends with a good angel or make good friends with an ancestor or someone you really, really know that was a good person. Catholics call them saints, you know, Catholic Christians call them saints. Fine. I don't care. Make good friends with a saint, St. Francis or St. Matthew or whoever, you know, fine. But follow what they say, what they tell you. They'll call it your conscience. Fine. Let it be your conscience. But get your spirit ready. Always have your spirit ready to go home. Because for many, many, many people, the concept of God is too huge. The concept of Wakantanka, the great mystery. They're always there. They're just there. They're just waiting for you to ask. Ask for direction. Ask for guidance. I do that every morning and every evening. In the morning, I ask for direction. Okay? Whatever the Creator wants me to do today, I will do it. But I need the direction and guidance to know what it is. Sometimes it's cleaning my house, <laughs> cleaning my bathroom. Other times it's writing this thing that I know. It'll come. And, and like writing about the butterfly sun. It was one of those things that I thought, no, I, I'm, I'm not worthy enough to do that, but I will try. And so I wrote it. And here, more and more people are, are learning about the butterfly sun. And through the butterfly sun, they're learning to pray. They're learning to become in balance, in balance spiritually and mentally. Not just mentally, not just your PhD up here, but the ordinary little person who has so much spirituality, you have to get in balance. No, this is incredible when you say things that makes thoughts and energy come to me. One was to be prepared and to trust that everything that the Wakantanka is doing is just that. So we, we forgot how to trust, but the difference, again, to me would be, okay, spirituality, or is it spirituality gets you ready, or is it religion that gets you ready? You know, <laughs> um, 
But then you mentioned, because my mom is a fluent Lakota speaker, and so she said to me one day in my humble speeches and, and what I was doing, she says, you know, son, the Lakota cannot speak without intuition. I said, what do you mean? She says, we cannot speak without intuition. Her language is one of intuition. So when you said about the telepathy, it's it's always that intuition. And I said, well, does that mean in English, because we are so about facts and stats and measurements that we, we forget the spirit behind everything? She said, that's part of it. But if you think about intuition in this way, that that's what all life communicates with is intuition. And as you would say, mental telepathy. Recognizing the balance, as you would say, with this butterfly sun. And that's how I would see it. And and I think part of the reason why you are writing these things is because of that word trust, that whatever happens, that Wakantaka has those good reasons for us, even though we may not understand them. So final thought on what I surmise from what you said. Thank you, yes. It's many times we think that um, the reasons for things are bad, but if you pray and you trust, whatever comes, it's what Kampanka has a reason. There's always a reason. I have, I have rheumatoid arthritis. You see my hands are all deformed, and it's a very painful disease, and I've had this for 49 years. But I always tease and I always laugh. Because before that, before I got it, I was 26 years old when I got it. Before I got it, I was very physically active and I was an athlete and, um, strong. You know, I, as short as I am, I was still very strong and wiry and I could do a lot of things. And after I got it, then, um, I could have given up, but I always tell people, nope, I had to learn how to fight with a pen rather than with my fist. And that was a real good reason because with my pen, and see, my grandma told me that too when I was a little kid. I just now remembered it. She told me when I was a kid, you learn every single thing you can learn about the white people. Someday you're going to come back. You're going to be a scout and someday you're going to come back and you're going to write things on paper that will help them. And, and, you know, me, I was just fine and dandy, you know, and I was, but when I got this arthritis and I trusted, okay, creator has other reasons why I can't physically be strong anymore. And it has shown itself many, many, many times. And so I fight, fight as hard as I can and not just fighting, teaching, you know, teaching, just like we're talking today, teaching people about the butterfly sun. You wouldn't have learned that if I didn't write it down. And so by, by, you know, there are reasons behind everything and it's trusting, trusting, always, always trusting. We could go on and I could tell you many, many miracles that have happened where we pray and then you let it go. You trust. Okay. Creator, you know, that serenity prayer, that serenity prayer thing that, uh, Anyway, the supremacy prayer, uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's a serenity prayer. I changed it. Creator, 
Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and turn them over to you. That's the trust part. Turn them over to you and change the things I can with your direction and guidance. You're helping me, creator, and the wisdom to know the difference. What I can't change, what I can change. But what I can't change, and if it is so strong in me, then trust that creator will take care of it. And I have seen so many miracles, so many miracles, that it's impossible for me not to trust. Why would you not trust a creator who created innumerable universes? Who can you trust that can, who do you know that can make a flower? I can make a butterfly that you would trust more than the creator of all of these universes, the creator of the world, the creator of yourself. Good words, very intelligent. I wouldn't say wise. These these are practical reasons mm-hmm. why we exist as, as Lakota people, as, as human beings. But I want to thank you. It's always an honor to have you on First Voices still in the center of the universe in the Black Hills. Um, Any final words for the audience to hear? We have more hard things coming and increase your spirituality and that way you will be able to handle it. I like that. Increase your spirituality. Not read more books about religion, right? Mm -mm. No. Okay. Okay. Charmaine Whiteface here on First Voices Radio. My name is Teokasen Ghost Horse, and you have been listening to this great-grandmother, a scientist, and a writer. She can be reached at cwhiteface at gmail.com. And I want to say things about, you know, what prayer includes here. It's not a religious connotation, as you might hear it in, through the Western container that you were used to. It's more or less that the, 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 the land, humans don't make sacred places at least in the native world, is that the sacred places make us. And often those sacred places are the land, within the land, in all cases. And you you know that, and that's why we must take care of that land. We give care. We're responsible for that beauty of the sun, the beauty of that river. This is our responsibility as native people. We can't measure that. So this science, this religion, or I guess you would say this government, really... What are you doing with that authority? And it's not yours to yours to dole out to other people and other life systems and beings in the first place. So Charmaine Whiteface, without speaking for her, she's this Lakota language speaker and from the Ocheti Shakoin Great Great Sioux Nation in North America, the geographical center. And she also works at the international level, which she did. Now she's retired, and an older grandmother. I'd like to thank her for bringing her story, because stories mean a lot. And the, those of you who listened to her story, it was not this big excitement and methodical interview, who, what, when, where, and why. It was her story, her experience. And we miss that, listening to elders. So you can Google her name, Charmaine Whiteface, in the article, The Butterfly Sun. So I'd like to leave right there and say thank you for joining us here on First Voices Radio. My name is Teokas and Ghost Horse, and stay tuned for us here. And also go to the new website, 
akantuinstitute.org, A-K-N-T-U institute.org. And you can find a little bit more about how this website will be growing and maturing and progressing, I guess the word would be in this case, because it is in that box. So there it is. And I'd like to say once again, every week here on First Voices Radio.
Crowd. 